What's good? Welcome back to Black and Published, a podcast for writers, poets, playwrights, and storytellers of all kinds. I'm your host, Nikisha Elise Williams, an award-winning author, two-time Emmy Award-winning news producer, publisher, all that good stuff. It's still National Poetry Month, and today we're talking with Iman Milner, author of On Breaking Back Together. Iman and Milner is an award-winning actress and writer from Detroit. Her career began at the age of eight with a role in famed playwright Ron Milner's acclaimed play, Urban Transitions, Loose Blossoms. She is a graduate of the University of Minnesota Guthrie Theater BFA Actors Training Program, where Iman spent a year training in London. In 2010, Iman became the owner and CEO of Edge Magazine, a modern online publication that sought to inspire millennials through stories of their peers' success. In the four years of Edge's existence, Iman wrote cover articles on celebrities like Issa Rae, Tiana Taylor, Michael B. Jordan, Janae Aiko, and countless others. In 2013, Iman began to focus more of her attention back into her first love, acting. Her credits include House of Lies, Awkward Black Girl, and her film, Love Escapes Us, which earned Iman the Essence Magazine Black Women in Hollywood Discovery Award in 2015, presented by Gina Prince Bythewood, you know, the director of Love and Basketball. Her film made its TV debut in 2016 on Magic Johnson's Aspire Network and is now streaming worldwide on Quayle TV. Combining her love for storytelling with her writing abilities, Iman wrote her first poetry collection on breakups and beginnings in 2016. Released independently, the book spent weeks in the top three of Amazon's best-selling African-American poetry list and has sold over 2,000 copies. Her follow-up offering on Breaking Back Together was the number one new release in women's poetry on Amazon in 2020. In this conversation, we discuss Iman's journey from theater, TV, and film actress to poet, how she uses her work to heal herself and inspire others to prioritize their healing too, and how she learned to know her worth so that the money always resides with her. Black and published family, let's welcome Iman to the show. So Iman, first of all, thank you for coming on Black and Published. I truly appreciated it. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you for having me. No problem. So I was reading your bio and your accomplishments are like a mile long. So we're gonna just try to just jump into this where we where we where we where we can. So you come from an artistic background with your dad, who was a playwright, correct? Mm-hmm. So then yeah. when did you first know that you were a writer and wanted to take this artistic path as well? Um, Honestly, I think I was always kind of writing for fun. Like I was always like, oh, okay, I like a little poem here, here and there. But um, when I left college, I never had a chance to write because I was at school for a classical theater and I was, that was all I was doing. So I decided I was going to start a magazine in 2010 with a friend who was a photographer. So she had, you know, her photography thing that she wanted to do. And I was like, 
I want to write about people who I think are interesting. And as I was writing, people started being like, wait a minute, this is actually kind of good. And I was like, is it? <laughs> so I'm just kind of, you know, following the blueprint of interviews that I've liked or articles that I've read that I'm like, you know what, I like the way that made me feel. So that was really it. Um, and I'm just an avid reader. So I love reading um, and have a high regard for writers because of that. So I don't know. I think I just kind of was like, I'm going to start doing it. And then uh, people started liking it. <laughs> so you have classical theater background. You've been on stage, Detroit, London, undergrad, all over the place. And you just like, I'm going to just do a magazine with dope folks. And it popped. That's it? It did. Yeah, honestly, I, to be honest, that's really what happened. There were people who I thought were dope and no one was writing about them. So like I was watching Awkward Black Girl and I was like, yo, this is incredible. Like what? Um, I was like, this is amazing. And no one was writing about her, you know? And then right at that time, you know, in 2010, it was all about the celebrity blog, like the gossip blog. So I wanted to write stories about people, not about who they were dating or whatever, but about who they were. So you know, I knew people who were kind of on the up and up who now are like huge names. But then it was just like, yo, you're dope and more people should know who you are. So it worked out. And for some reason, these people's uh, PR publicist people trusted us. And, you know, they let me write the stories. Yeah, because your magazine, which was called Edge, you talked to mm-hmm. Issa Rae, Tiana mm-hmm. Taylor. Michael B. Jordan and Janae Aiko, just to name a few. You know, we just name dropping a few, you know, hit yeah. movers and shakers right now. So, like, what, yeah. was, what was that experience like being able to, like, get getting them to open up or getting them at the cusp of their career right before it, like, skyrocketed? Like, how was what was that like? Um, I think that, that that's where the acting came in for me, is that you learn to approach a character the same way you learn to approach a person where like, I'm completely like, whatever, wherever you take me, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of follow your lead there. And so it was easy for me to kind of talk to people and open them up. And in the case with Mike, I knew him a little bit. So it was like, okay, you know, whatever. But like Issa and Janae and Tiana, I didn't know anything about them as people. All I was coming from was from like a, Hey, this is what I get from what I see of you and I want people to know who you are. And that was always my lead in question. It's like, who are you? Who are you? Like, forget the art, forget the style, the stories, who are you? And honestly, people were surprised because they never really got asked that question. And so when people are able to be free to talk about themselves in any light that they want, um, great things happen. So that was, that honestly was just like kind of an osmosis type thing. yeah. And so how long did you um, keep Edge going or is it still going? Edge is over. Uh, that was four years. So like around 2014, 2015, like right before I decided to do the film, um, I was like, you know what? I think I think I've done everything I can do with Edge. Um, and yeah, I just let it go. This is crazy to me because you you just <laughs> you jump. And so it's like acting then it's magazine then it's back to acting because you've got some acting credits and you have your own film out you got the the essence award and what 2015 for your film love escapes mm-hmm. us yes and, and then now you got this poetry collection so just take me on the journey i'm i'm ready my seatbelt <laughs> is on let's go um well you know honestly i am a person who really believes that whatever talents you have you're supposed to use them all 
And for a while, you know, especially when you're in the industry and especially for acting, people will say, well, people need to only know you as an actor. If they think that you do anything else, then they won't take you serious as an actor. And for a while I did, you know, I did uh, subscribe to that idea. But then I was like, nah, man, like I like writing. I like creating projects. And there are people like Issa and people like um, Ava. Ava wasn't acting in her projects too, but people were starting to bubble who were writers. And I was like, yo, I have stories that I want to tell. So, um, so yeah, that was really just kind of bridging the gap between the two. And writing is something that I do to get stories out. And even poetry to me, those are little stories, you know, like however they start, however they end, that's just a snapshot of a story. And when it came time to write my first book, I was just going through something in life and I was like, all right, I think I want to put all these things into a collection. And then the second one was more of like a kind of four year thing from that point in my life. Um, but yeah, I honestly am just like, I'm going to use every talent I have. And those are <laughs> my, the way I feel, like those are the ones I got. I just, I got them too. So I'm going to just work those until I, until I can't work them anymore. So you got you got the acting and the writing. So mm-hmm. on your latest collection on breaking back together, you say it's the perspective of a 30-something on faith, love, loss, and self-preservation. A lot of people, older people look at you and be like, uh, 30-something, you ain't been through nothing yet. So what do you say to that and how this collection should be received? Oh, um, I think that there's no uh been through Olympics, right? Like everything that a person goes through in their own life, no matter, I mean, I had been through things at 18, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Let me tell it, you know? Um, So I feel like, you know, either you, either it's your cup of tea or it's not. Um, But I feel like I've been through enough life events that I can speak to those events at 30 something. When I'm 50, I'm sure I'll have even more life events that I can speak to at 50 and somebody will be 80 going, well, just wait until you get 80. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's going to be the, that's going to be the story until you are no longer here, you know. But um, I think that I experienced loss at a really early age in life. And that just made me very aware of like keeping a record of the things that you do and the things that you experience so that when you're not here people have something more than just memories to hold on to of you. What is your preferred way of keeping that record? Journaling. I keep, I have all of my journals. It's starting to, it's actually starting to get too much because I keep all of them. Um, and it's harder to like move around with them. Like I have to ship them because they're heavy, but it's journaling. Um, and then also like writing books, published pieces. I mean, the internet now kind of makes it where you kind of live forever. As long as the internet's around, I guess. Um, but yeah, the books and the journaling is, are the ways that I'm like, all right, well, you know, if God forbid the, the Lord calls me home, uh, somebody could open one of these books and see a piece of me or open one of these journals and really see some stuff. Um, and see all of you. Some things. Right. Yeah. And my website too, like having my blog where I can kind of write about the things that are coming up for me. Um, yeah, I would say that's it. That's the that's the way I keep the record. So you write from personal experience always or just sometimes? Mm, I would say maybe most of the time. Um, when I'm, of course, when I'm writing about other people or I'm writing, you know, 
interviews or something like that, that's a very specific thing. But yeah, usually if I'm writing a personal essay or anything like that, it's kind of fused in with things that I've actually been through or know about. Um, it's actually kind of hard for me to write when I'd have no connection to it at all. Uh, even in scripts, a lot of times, like I have to catch myself going, wait a minute, this, this is a real character thing. Do I got some stuff to get off my own chest? <laughs> um, so yeah, I would say that, most of the time. Yeah. Cause that was my next question. I'm like, you write scripts and screenplays and do movies and stuff. So it's like, where does Iman in and the character begin? Cause like I, right. I prefer fiction. I don't ever want to write a memoir. Like that's just no. You don't need. I'm. You don't need to know that much about me. Go read a book and think and try to go figure it out. And one of my characters. Right. So like, mm-hmm. where does that balance exist for you? Um, I'm still trying to learn it. Honestly, if I'm being completely honest, I think with scripts is different because you're like, okay, I owe something to this story, and so you're learning who the characters are, and that to me feels like a whole different kind of writing than my personal essay or poetry work. Like it would be very easy for me to stand up and, and write, read something that I've, words that I've given to a character, but reading my own poetry or reading any of my own essays is like my throat like closes off. Like I can't even, I can't even do it because it's too revealing, I guess. Um, but yeah, with, with characters, I can hide little things in there. I love to write characters who have, who are like nothing like me. And then I can pull from all the people in my life. That's one thing about me. I'm just very, very, very observant, almost <laughs> to a fault. <laughs> it kind of keep me from being as present as I need to be because I'm like, what's that? What, what was that? What, what, what was that thing that you just said or did? Like, why? What was that? And then now my brain is on like a tangent. And I'm so you don't want to just face off in the middle of a meeting. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, I don't have that many meetings, but you know. Yeah, But I want to take it back because you said like your throat closes up when you're reading, when you would have to read your own work. And I am going to put you on the spot. I meant to ask you that before. Do you have your book close to you so that you can read? I do. I have it. I know that you said that. So I'm like, yeah. okay. Because I was like, <laughs> we're going to get to these poems. So like, why do you okay. think that is that you are almost like afraid to give your voice to your words? I don't know. I think it's just very revealing, right? Because it's not. If you don't like a character, that's fine because it's the character. And that's, you know, I want you to feel something, hate or love. I don't want you to feel indifferent. But when you're reading you, it's like, oh, if you don't like it, it feels like you don't like me because this is me. You know, I, I feel very connected to the things that I write. So that is like a, whew, you know, if somebody's like, oh, that, that poem was kind of trash. It's like, <laughs> what? Yikes. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, you know, people don't usually say that, but like, that's the fear. You know, somebody could be like, yo, I hate this. I hate this book. No, nah, nah, I get it. Like last year, it's March 2020, right before the world shut down, I had put out my first poetry collection. But not only did I put out a poetry collection, I performed it as a one woman show. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was like, it's just me and the stage and the audience and my words. And it's scary as shit. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's brave. That is super brave. I would love to see that. We'll talk afterwards, but I want to know, because you have a, we have a, you have a theater background and you're putting Mm -hmm. this poetry out and you're putting out these movies and you're putting parts of yourself into your characters. So do you ever see that you will maybe one day 
take your story and give it life in another way and not just in a yeah, piece. Right. Um, I definitely have written things. I, I wrote a, a film uh, partner to my first book that was just kind of out there. I don't know if I'll ever do anything with it. But this one, I've thought more about that um, because it feels episodic in the sense of, you know, the different chapters and kind of what they uh, circle around. But I don't know, honestly. I mean, there's I don't say no to not, to anything at this point. I'm like, yeah. Um, a one woman show is inc- like one people who do one woman one woman shows are amazing to me because I'm just like, oh my lord! It, just in general, be, like even as a character, you know, people who step into it, um, like Anna Devere Smith or someone like that. It's like I, I I don't even know what to do. Like y'all are a whole different kind of person to me. Um, For me, I feel like I was kind of like forced to do it. It's just okay. you know like something spirit leads you to do. Like it, it started with one mm-hmm. person saying, hey you wrote this piece. I really liked it. This is how I saw it. And it's like, well, this is how I really see it. And it's like, well, sis, you don't have money to hire all these actors to perform this show the way you see it in your head. So right. I guess you're going to get up there and do it. And I was like, oh, okay. Bet. bet. That's amazing. Go. <laughs> Dang. Dang. You're going to push me to do something. All right. I heard that. Okay, cool. It's not going to be a woman's show, but thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Whatever it is, I'm looking forward to see it. But first, I want to hear some of these pieces from this collection. So I'm going to read okay. the description, and then you pick and choose which pieces you're going to read. So uh, I got to pick them. I thought you were going to pick them. You're picking them. Oh, so Jesus. Okay. Iman's collection is on Breaking Back Together, a collection of poetry from the perspective of a 30-something on faith, love, loss, and self-preservation soul-shattering and brutally honest on breaking back together forces readers to get real about the light and darkness we all carry inside ourselves. Saw you, boo. Okay. You sure you don't want to just pick one and I can just, you know, I can read? I'm sure. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, I guess maybe we'll just go in in order. Um, From a... Yeah, the chapter. So I'll read something from uh, on self-preservation. And uh, Lord. (laughs) I'm like so scared. Why? So anxious. (laughs) So anxious. I don't know. Um, Okay. I guess I'll read my. uh, This is like really hard. Okay, I'll just I'll just read the first one that opened up. I am writing to I am learning. Excuse me, let me start over. <laughs> I am learning to write without pain, loss, disappointment, rejection, anger as my guide. I am learning to trace outlines of my smile into verses, put my joy into words and phrases, capture the capture the love I wake up to daily in quotable composure. For marketing reasons, that's the name of that one. <laughs> For marketing reasons. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like a lot of writers will understand that. Um, so we'll go on to uh, love, to the lessons on love chapter. Oh, Lord. <laughs> okay, I'll read this one. Uh, the title will come at the end. I've made a habit 
of loving men who are a bit too handsome, a pinch too charismatic, a tad too ambitious, men with dimpled smiles and beards that adorn their faces like inverted crowns, men who know how to tell a perfectly timed joke and who say please and thank you when they're robbing you of all your better judgment. I am a lover of thieves, a worshiper of idols, who wear vintage tees and love their mothers. I desired security from men who thought planning for the future took the fun out of things. Men whose only heroes are other men who think like them. Men who desire an intimacy with others that they've never had with themselves. Are not looking like who I've been through. That's it. <laughs> What's the name of that one? On not looking like who I've been through. Okay, because I was like, that last line, I was like, I don't look like who I've been through. Not what I've been through, but who I've been through. That's who that's, I've been through. That's key. Wow. That one that one yeah. resonates. And so you <laughs> said like you're reading very fast. <laughs> you're, you're, you're good, sis. You're good. Might be just your jitters. You got another one? Uh okay. I can I can read something from um from loss <laughs> from the chapter on loss. Uh let's see. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I waited for you, hard in my hand, foolishly. Day one, day two, day three, day four. Given hope by my own shadow across our bedroom walls. Day five, you appeared, but not as the man I once knew. Your eyes cold and loveless, scared even. Knowing you were about to burn down the world we built must have frightened you, no? I knew you were gone that day. I let you go that day. My heart broke for forever that day. Our eternity left that day. What a difference a day makes, she sings. I became one that day, wed to, wed to myself, indebted to my inner strength for not begging you to stay that day. There are worse things than being left by someone who cannot look you in your eyes. Far worse things than being rejected by someone who has found nothing to be his best self for. Worse still, the breaking it took to be better. I owe it all to that day. I have no regrets. 24 hours is the name of that one. So you say you always use your work to actively heal yourself and then inspire mm-hmm. others. How did writing on breaking on, on breaking back together help heal you? Wow. Um, okay, so the first book, when did I write that? In 2016. So this one took four years to, to come all the way together and the chapters honestly I would say there are four of them and that's pretty much a pretty good reflection of the years that kind of came in between um there were times where I was struggling with my faith and like what I believed and understanding you know what God was doing in my life and the ways he was he was doing it um loss you know I was engaged and my fiance ghosted me and I you know it just all types of things happened during that time I think my my grandmother died during this time I just I lost a lot of things um over those four years and writing poetry and writing personal essays about it helped me feel better and helped me understand things and helped me get out of my own head and out of my own way sometimes um, and love, you know, it was the same thing. I mean, I, I was with my fiance for a while and, uh, well, my ex fiance for a while. And then I met someone else and, you know, that was a beautiful disaster. Um, 
So, you know, you're you're just using the pen to to say all the things that you either can't say to the people um, or that you would never want to utter out loud. So there's some dark ones in here that I'm like, oh, yeah, I was in a dark place when I wrote that. Um, and just trying to keep yourself alive through mm-hmm. all of it. You know, being a black woman is it has its its stuff and it can be hard and you can feel like no one is listening. Um, it's literally like, oh, I'm bleeding out and the whole world's watching. Everybody's just like, OK, girl, excuse me. <laughs> no one's offering you a Band-Aid or a towel or anything, you know. So um, for me, writing is always that Band-Aid. Um, it's not all of the work, but it helps in the meantime. Writing is the Band-Aid, but are you healed beneath it? Or is it a Band-Aid over a bullet wound? This is right. <laughs> um, I think that for me, I knew I had times when writing this book that I was like, I'm going to put it out now. And was like, nah, because it did feel like the Band-Aid was over a bullet wound. But last year, I was like, okay, yeah. It, the, this is a scab. I have a scab now. And I, I have a scar now. And the scar is cool. I'm putting cocoa butter on it and it's fine. But I'm not bleeding anymore. So I can, uh, it's done now, you know? Um, so yeah, that was a good question. But yeah, sometimes it is. It's like, you know, you got to change that band-aid every, every 30 minutes. Because it's just <laughs> it's so it's good. Money. <laughs> yeah. Um, you said this is, this on Breaking Back Together is your second book. So what was your first book? And was that also a poetry collection? It was, yeah. Uh, on Breakups and Beginnings. <laughs> um, I see a theme here. So. Yeah, clearly. Uh, breaking. I have something about break, the idea of breaking. Uh, but not anymore. I feel like that chapter is now closed in my life. But um, but yeah, it was it was shorter than this one. And it was only about breakups and beginnings. So it was about falling out of love, falling into love. And that's it. Yeah. And you t- made the decision to self-publish both of your books, correct? Why mm-hmm. did you decide to go that route? With my first book, it was honestly like, I wrote that book in three months and I was just like, I'm putting it out. I don't care. Like I had no expectations for it. So it wasn't like, let me find a publisher so I can do this and I can get on New York Times. But it wasn't anything like that. It was literally, I'm just putting this out because I wrote it and I think it's cool and it's just a personal goal and I'm gonna just put it out and see where it lands. So that was that. And then with this one, it was just what I knew, like, Oh, I did it once. So let's do it again. Um, I like the idea of being able to kind of do it on my schedule, my time and uh, not having someone being like, hello, sis, it's been four years. Like, where's the book? Um, And yeah, that was really it. It was just like, I'm gonna do it this way because I just like to just put my art out and let people get it right then. but if you're a publisher and you're listening, I mean, I love to write some more things <laughs> that, <laughs> that someone else does all the work for. That'd be great. Yeah. So it, it, you have a very, this energy about you where it's like, I'm going to do this now. And you don't really have like a plan or even like a real goal for it. You're just going after what your heart says. And it ends up being successful because like your first book. Yeah. <laughs> You got this nice Amazon bestseller for weeks in the top three, and you sold over two thousand copies. There are people with traditional with traditional publishing contracts that don't sell two thousand copies. 
So like, yeah. how does that feel with the, with the success that you've had and just this, not so much like a lackadaisical attitude, but like, I'm gonna let it go and let God kind of attitude to see how yeah. it comes back to you. I'm so glad it seems like that on the outside. Cause on the inside, I'm always like, I mean, I don't have expectations for it, but like I said, it is that, that personal thing of like, well, I, I mean, I guess I hope, I hope people like it. Like that's really it. You know, mm. I don't, you know, cause I have no control over whether you want to spend your money with me or not to a certain degree, you know, like hope the hope is you know the story, you know me, or you see me, you see the story and you're like, you know, what? I kind of, I kind of rock with that, which happened, I think with the first book and, um, happens with my pieces and stuff like that. People share them because they just feel like they can relate to it. So that's important. That is very important to me. And I have that as a goal always that people can see themselves in it and relate to something in it. But the idea of like selling it or it becoming a, I I don't ever have that because I feel so out of my control. Like if I have to think about that, then what, it's like all of my energy goes to that. And I'm a Virgo. So I'm very like, once it gets set in my brain, if I set in my brain, I got, this has to be number one. Now my brain is like, that's all I can focus on. So I feel like it takes something away from the authentic side of it. If I'm like, it has to be number one. Now I like to make money. Thank you so much. However, <laughs> amen. Um, <laughs> but you know, worrying about if it's going to be number three, if it's, number three I, it's like, I can't do that to myself because it's just, it's too much. But I am very blessed that most of the things that I have attempted <laughs> have become successful. But there are things, there are a lot of things I've attempted that have not. You know, it's just that these things tend to tend to work out for me. Just listening to you talk and like seeing your energy and vibing with you right now, it seems like, at least to me, and I don't know if the, you, you think this too, but that people are attracted to the honesty of your energy and the honesty in your work so that like you don't really have a pretense. It's like, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going tra- I'm to do it with excellence and we're going to see where it lands. And it lands not pretty high. Yeah, I think people like that. Uh, but kind of what you were saying earlier, like, you know, how do you draw a line? I don't know how to, I don't know how to be halfway anything. Mm. Right. Like, I don't know how to be halfway in love. I don't know how to be halfway hurt. I don't, I, everything is just very all or nothing with me. Um, and, and so even finding, you know, the, I guess the, the, the thin line between, being very transparent and open in my work, but also like saving something for myself. That's something that I'm still kind of learning how to do. I don't share everything, you know, but I still, the things that I share, I share very openly because I, one, I don't live with any shame, you know, like it's not shameful to me to love someone and they, and they leave you. It's, that's just, that's life. You know, it's not shameful to me to go through things and make the best decision at, at, that you can with the information that you have at the moment and then be able to step back and be like, ah, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't do it that way now, you know, like none of that is shameful. So I think that people like the idea that I'm just like, oh, well, <laughs> this is me. Uh, I think so. I don't know, but I think so. Yeah. I think people respond to the fact that there's not, there's not a lot that I'm going to hide. Um, but I'm learning, yeah, to keep some things for my for myself, for sure. So have you embraced kind of like where you are as a creative and 
acting and writing and all of those things? Nah. <laughs> what? Wait, no. what? <laughs> I mean, I guess. I don't know what embrace. You mean like embrace? <laughs> like that was so not the answer I was expecting. I was just like, yeah, I'm comfortable. I'm good. I'm me. And, and he was like, nah, wait, okay. I mean, Go back. yes and <laughs> yes and no, I guess. Like, yeah, I, I feel like, I d- you know, I did have a moment yesterday where I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I am a full-time creative. This is how I make a living. I, you know, I, I just started writing for 2190. So I'm like writing for them as an actual staff writer. And that's cool. And I'm writing another project and I'm writing, like I'm writing a, a TV show. So like those things feel very happy. Uh, they fill me up to like a certain level of like fulfillment. But, and I don't know what this is, but there's always a thing in me that's like, all right, am I doing all that? Am I using every bit of the talent that I have? So for me with acting, that's something that I haven't been doing a lot of. I've really just been focusing on writing. Whereas there was a time in my life where I was kind of doing both splitting between both um and I don't miss acting right now which is a weird thing it's something I've done since I was eight and I've always been like oh I miss acting but right now I'm kind of falling back in love with acting actors you know like just being able to watch something and really appreciate another actor's work without being like why my agent ain't sent me out for this I ain't get this script you know like just being (laughs) able to kind of sit in it and go wow wow, that was such a beautiful performance. Wow, that was such an honest scene. Um, So I feel like right now I'm kind of falling back in love with just the art of acting. So that's why I'm saying like, no, because I feel like there's a part of my creativity that is in a different place right now. Um, And so, you know, she she over there chilling. And so you you say that you're writing for 2190 in addition to, you know, got pieces for Exo Nicole and Shondaland, your regular contributor for them. Writing is very much your day job yeah it is yeah so let's spill some tea i'm very grateful for that (laughs) let's spill some tea is it where the money resides though you know it is where the money resides but as you probably know you you gotta get there you know what i'm saying like and you also have to know your worth like there are there are things there are sites that i've turned down because i'm like i'm not writing for a hundred dollars i'm just not like i can write for myself and make a hundred dollars if that's the case, you know? Um, so the money, you know, the money resides wherever I am. That's how I feel, you know, because I know my worth. So, you know, I'm like, you know, this is my rate. If you can't pay it, that's okay. You know what I'm saying? That's where I'm 100% okay. Because again, when I was, when I started writing for these sites, I didn't have any expectations. You know what I'm saying? I pitched to Shondaland. I didn't know they were going to pick that article up. And then I'm going to be four or five articles deep where they're like, hey, what do you got for us? You know, I didn't know that was going to happen. I just knew I wanted to be a part of Shondaland some way, somehow, whether it was acting or writing. And it worked. You know, so Nicole, I, Nicole was like one of our, one of the magazine, my, my magazine's first supporters in terms of blogs who would pick up our stories. She's like one of the first blogs who was like, hey, we'll pick up Edge stories whenever they come out. And that was such a huge deal for the magazine. So when she tra- like transitioned and I transitioned out of the magazine, it was like, yo, are you still writing? Yeah, I am. And I started writing for, writing for XO Nicole. So, you know, and, but as I continued to grow as a writer, thankfully these places were willing to match me um, in terms of pay. And 
but I wasn't afraid to ask either. I feel like a lot of creatives in general have a very like hat in the hand type of approach to making money. And my thing is like, nah, I got to pay my rent just like everybody else. So if you approach me for my talent, then my rate shouldn't make you back off from that. So yeah, it's where the money reside because I ain't afraid to ask. I'm not. <laughs> not. The worst thing you can do is say no. And maybe we can Tell them. a middle ground. Yeah, but yeah, no, I'm not I'm not going broke to to be an artist. I don't believe in a broke artist trope at all. I think it's ridiculous. That's beautiful. That ju- that just preaches. <laughs> What's to my life soul. without art? What's life without art? Think about the last two years. You, I mean the last year, if you didn't have any TV to watch, if you didn't have any books to read, this should be the quintessential time for every artist to get paid what they deserve. That's it. Dang, that just fired me up. I can't stand that. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I felt like, I feel it in my soul. Like, okay. So like, and getting to this place, because you, you are right. A lot of artists and a lot of writers do have this like hat in hand approach. Like it's a starving artist trope or whatever. And some people really like live by that. Not maybe intentionally, but it happens. So like, how did you get to this place of where it's like, no, you're going to pay me what I'm worth because you approached me for this? I starved. That's what happened. Like, I couldn't make my rent. You know what I'm saying? I had to borrow something from some. And I was just like, wait a minute. Hold on a second. All these people are telling me how talented I am and how much they like my writing and how much they like my work. and how much. Are you not- so pay me. You know, when I like somebody's work, when I like a certain nail person, I go to the nail person and I pay up. <laughs> like, I pay for what I want. So I started to just say, what do I need to live to live comfortably? Do I want to have to work side jobs? Do I want to have to work additional jobs? I don't. Okay, well, then I need to charge so that I don't have to. And that was it. And I think that there's a certain level of yeah confidence. And I feel like Black women, especially, we have this kind of weird relationship with confidence where we don't want to come off as not seeming humble. I don't know if it's like a religious background, like the meek shall inherit the earth, whatever it is, I don't know. But I'm not meek about it. Like, I know that I'm good at what I do. And I know that I work hard at what I do. Am I the best? Absolutely not. There are writers who can write me under the table. But I know that I'm good. And you wouldn't even come to me if I wasn't, you know? So if you're here and I'm here and we were met together, then I should be able to ask for what I think I, de- I deserve. And you're absolutely w- well within your rights to say no. That's it. How I'm not have- afraid of hearing no at all, ever. How have these lessons that you've learned, and these seem to have been hard-fought lessons, how have these lessons that you've learned made you better? About that in particular? About in everything, like the, the writing, the the payment, the heartbreak, the breakups, the all of it. How have all the lessons that you have learned thus far made you better in what it is that you are, that, what it is that you do and that you are going to continue to do? Um, how has it made me better? Uh. I would say when it comes to like heartbreak and relationships and stuff like that, um, even like just this experience that I just had recently, it's made me look at myself. And that's really all, the only thing you have, right? And that's the sound. So I'm like, me, myself, and that's how you got in the end. Like, it's <laughs> like that. I mean, like, you know, I have no control over what somebody else does at all. You know what I'm saying? Like, all I can do is, is continue to show up as me. Um, so, you know, it just makes me always turn to one, my faith, you know, how am I operating in the world? What type of energy am I putting out? Makes me turn to my mental health therapy. Okay. Here are some of my, here are some of the issues that I keep running up against. 
what's underneath that? What's what's at the core of that? What have I not dealt with, even either in my past or my childhood or whatever? Like, what have I not dealt with? And really being able to be honest with myself. And that sometimes for me, the writing and the journaling and all that, it really helps because I'm able to go back and be like, wait, oh yeah, you was tripping on that day. And then you ran with that idea. And then that conversation that you had with that person was very explosive because you made up a you made a decision in your mind before you even talked to them. Like, so the writing helps me to, you know, measure where I am um and where I've been and and really have an accurate assessment of any type of growth. Because it's hard to see the growth when you're in it. You know, it's like when somebody sees you, you're like, oh, great, your hair got long. And you're like, really? Because I don't feel like it. It's because you see it every day. And it's the same thing with yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. So I use my writing as an assessment. I use my blogs. When I go back and read old blogs, I'm like, huh, girl, what? What are you talking about? But if I didn't have those things, I would p- kind of be probably walking in circles I, in a lot of my areas in my life. Um but yeah, not being afraid to hear no, it's definitely something that has helped me in life. <laughs> uh, once I decided like the worst thing a person can do is tell me no, it like opened up so much for me. Um, yeah. But yeah, self, self-assessment self is, is more than anything is what I feel like is going to continue to push me in the direction of being the woman that I want to be, the artist that I want to be, and hopefully one day the wife and mother that I want to be. That's beautiful. So what's next? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know, honestly. I mean, the the pre the books, the print copies of the books are gonna be available in the next couple of weeks. All the pre-orders went out today, actually. I'm doing this content with 2190 and writing a TV show with my good friend Andrea Lewis. Um and Honestly, I don't know. I really wish I had I had more for y'all. I I do have a writing community called Byline Baddie, which thank you. You were my first Byline Baddie. Thank uh, you. <laughs> so I want to continue to promote Black women writers because I felt like when I started, even though I kind of started like, oh, I still wish I had known a lot more writers um, all, from all over, from different walks of life, writing about different things. And when people, you know, reach out to me and are like, oh, I like your writing. I'm like, yo, there are tons of Black women writing everywhere about everything. Like, you have no clue. Um, all over the world. And that's what, what I've realized with Byline Baddie. So I want to continue that. I want to I sell a thousand books. I want to sell a thousand copies of On Breaking Back Together. So that's, that's something that I'm going to kind of share on Instagram. Um, the road to a thousand. So I want to sell a thousand copies of that. Um, so I'm going, I'm going to sell a thousand copies of that. <laughs> and, so, um, yeah. Let's talk know. about that. Cause when I saw that, when, in, in the, in the notes that you sent me, like you, you want to sell 1000 books by summer of 2021 and we are still mm-hmm. in a pandemic. So tell me what is your marketing plan? Because baby, <laughs> I might need to hire Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I won't say everything, but what I believe is when you put it out there, people respond to it because people like the idea of, oh, wait, you have the nerve to say it out loud. Um, but you know, I'm going to use the same thing everybody else uses, you know, reels and TikToks. And, you know, I share a lot of my work on my Instagram anyway, and people really respond to that. Um, and people share my work a lot. So I'm, I want to be able to 
share little bits and pieces of these of these pieces and get that kind of word of mouth thing going on. But the pre-orders have done really, really well. And um, I, w- I am going to do like a live, uh, <laughs> we'll see, an Instagram live book release. So I'll be reading some poems on there, even though that's really hard for me. But I will definitely be sharing too, like that this is not something that I, you know, do a lot, honestly. I think I read uh, my first book out loud maybe three times um, at like the official book release at an event in LA and like one other time somewhere else or in New York. So, you know, um, yeah, it's, that's just it. And you know me, I don't know. I'll come up with stuff as I go of like, all right, this is where I'm at. But I will have a counter where you people will be able to see, you know, how many books sold, kind of like a high McDonald's used to have, like, you know, however many go. Uh, so I will be doing that and um, just putting out content and, you know, ever so often just being like, yo, buy a book, you know. <laughs> that is, I, I love that. So I'm, I'm rooting for you in that I want you to hit that 1000 by summer because that will be motivation for me. But right now I want to yeah. get into like a little speed round and then I'm going to let you go. Um, okay. So what is your favorite book? Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. We could start with nothing easier. What's my favorite book? <laughs> uh, dang, what is my favorite book? That's that's very hard, honestly. Like, in any genre? Can we do, like, a genre? You can do any book in any genre by any author. It could be your favorite book of the moment. Just... Ah, my favorite. Uh, even that is hard. <laughs> Um, I love, I love, I would think of the books that I loved most recently. I loved, um, you know what? The first time I read Americana, I, I was blown away by that. Purple Hibiscus, I really liked as well. Now I'm just thinking about one writer. Uh, Toni Morrison is my favorite writer. So probably any Toni Morrison book would probably fit. Um, I don't know. You know what? I, <laughs> I really do love A Tale of Two Cities. <laughs> Wow. Book. It's so, you got Tony Morrison, Chimamanda, and then the Tale of Two Cities. Wow. Tale of Two Cities, yeah. Hamlet is one of my favorite. Hamlet is one of my favorite anything's like play book too. So I don't know. I have Hamlet a very goes hard. Diet. Hamlet goes in so hard. Hamlet goes stupid. Um, Amer- in American Marriage, I really like. <gasps> oh, yes. oh. You know what book I love? A lot of people don't know. Uh, a lot of the world. Yes, by El- by Elizabeth Alexander. Okay. That is one of, the, that is a book that I'm literally getting choked up thinking about it. But it is one of the most beautiful books I've ever read, honestly. And I was like, I think I told my mom like, as soon as I finished it, like, hey, you have to read this book. It is amazing. And I got it free, like in a gift bag or something. I think, I think in essence, actually. So that one. Yeah. What's your favorite movie? Oh, my favorite movie, oddly enough, is The Godfather. That's my favorite movie. I just watched The Godfather and The Godfather 2 maybe three weeks ago. I've been trying yes. to watch it for a while. And it's always mm-hmm. on. And I will come in, in and out of it. But it's just so goddamn long. long <laughs> yeah. I watched that movie way too many times, like, to be completely honest. Um, I actually did my like my final senior thesis paper in college on The Godfather. I'm like the father and son dynamics in The Godfather. Yeah. Now I feel like my I'm favorite gonna... movie of all time. 
I feel like now I'm going to need to sit it and watch it in one sitting as if it were the Avengers and just be okay with the three hours. Yeah. Yeah. What is your favorite Love TV Jones show? Is a, is a second, 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 uh, second favorite is Love Jones. But uh, favorite TV show, I don't know. There's so much TV now. You mean like of all time? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, TV show. I wasn't, I guess I, I kind of wasn't a big TV kid. I was a big movie kid. Like I loved watching movies. Um, but TV, my favorite TV show. <laughs> I don't know. I feel bad. I don't this know. A pass. I really don't. Yeah, I'm a pass. I don't know. I don't think I have a favorite TV show. I loved Breaking Bad when I first saw it. I was like, this is fantastic. Uh, Atlanta. Atlanta's my favorite TV show right now. Atlanta's great. It's perfect. Uh, Donald Glover's insane. And it's, it's, in, it's perfect. Yeah. I watch Atlanta and a lot of times I was like, why am I watching this? And then it's always one moment in the show that says, that was what I watch. This is why yeah, I watch yeah. it. Cause it's always one moment that I'm car. just like, yeah, I would have never thought yeah. of that. Or I just laugh. An out invisible loud. car. That's what I can't ever forget that, that I was watching an episode of television where an invisible car hit someone. And I, yeah, that show is amazing. It's perfect. If I could write on any TV show, it would be Atlanta for sure. And since you do have a theater background, what is your favorite yeah. play? Well, yeah, Hamlet. Hamlet is my Hamlet is my favorite play. Uh, probably, yeah, Hamlet. Probably, that's bad. <laughs> that's awful. My dad's a playwright. I should probably say one of his. Um, <laughs> well, my favorite of <laughs> my favorite of my dad's plays is actually with the wine cellars by which is one of his earlier ones. I really love that one. Um, but yeah, with the Wine Cellars By is pretty perfect. Um, but yeah, with the Wine Cellars By is my dad is my favorite play of my father's, but Hamlet is one. Hamlet is my all-time favorite character. If I could play any character before I get out of here on this earth, I would love to play Hamlet. Wow. I loved Hamlet, and then I read Richard III, and I was like, <sighs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> Richard is out here wilding. <laughs> God, Shakespeare was really in his bag with Richard III. Wow. Yeah, you're right. That's a good one. Um, what book would you like to see get the stage or film treatment? Uh, does it have to be stage or film, or could it be TV? TV. Yeah, just in an I just read when, uh, Yeah, I just read when no one is watching. Have you read that? Mm-mm. I think that would be such a good TV show. It's about uh, the gentrification of Brooklyn and it kind of is like a psychological thriller. And I think it would be such an amazing TV show. Like just the idea of like these black people who are disappearing from their homes and these white people are just moving in. Uh, it, I think it's just fantastic. And I read it like in like maybe a weekend and I was like, this would be a fantastic TV show. So yeah, that's, that's something. What character did you play in Awkward Black Girl? <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know she had a name. I don't know. <laughs> she was just like a she was like a receptionist at like a, a job that Issa came to. Like she was like coming to interview at a job, and um, there was like maybe two or three scenes. But yeah, that was it. Okay. What is your prediction for Insecure season five? Are Issa and Lawrence going to work it out? <laughs> uh, it would be more heartbreaking if they if they don't, 
because I feel like it would just be like, a, oh, they were just so close. So if I had to guess, I would say they don't because you want to leave the, you want to leave your audience as affected as possible. They end up together. It's like, mm, like, dang, I mean, she took him back after all that. And they ended up together full circle. Oh my God. That's so cute. Um, so I don't <laughs> think that's going to happen. I think they're going to end up, she's going to end up being like, yeah, this is not for me. And he'll end up with a, what's her name? Con- Condola or whatever her name Condola, is. Condola, something like that. Yeah, we all like her. <laughs> uh, name one poet who doesn't get enough credit. Rudy Francisco. And finally, yeah. if you only had 24 hours to live, what would you do? Hug my mama. Have lunch with my sister and watch Dream Girls and laugh. Uh... See my cousin and her children make love to the man I love. And uh, I'd probably take a nap, like, to end it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would probably want to go out and sleep. I would probably watch The Godfather. Yeah. So that would be, like, a nice chunk of my nice chunk of my day. <laughs> but hopefully with, you know, with someone I love. Uh, and I would eat my favorite Indian food meal, which is lamb sog. I don't eat lamb anymore. Um, but I would have that on my way out. Lamb sock with non bread, take a nap, hopefully get up out of here while I'm asleep. <laughs> all right. And final question for the podcast. So you spin all these stories in various, various mediums. One day when you're dead and gone, what would you like someone to write about your legacy? Oh, that she was honest and she was brave. She always loved, always led with love. Um, she followed her heart and she never quit. Um, yeah, that's really it. And she was loved, she was loved as well. Like, you know, giving love is one thing, but, but filling it back is, is I, I think a big part of life. Um, yeah, and she tried valiantly (laughs) she tried valiantly yeah that's dope iman thank you so much for coming on black and published today i truly appreciate it thank you for having me thank you for having me anytime big shout out to iman milner for being on black and published today make sure you check out her poetry collection on breaking back together And if you're not following Iman on the socials, follow her at Iman N. Milner on Twitter and Instagram. That's I-M-A-N-N-M-I-L-N-E-R. Iman N. Milner on Twitter and Instagram. That's our show for the week. If you like this episode and want more Black and Published, go ahead and hit that subscribe button on your podcast platform of choice. While you're there, you can also leave us a comment, a rating, a review. Let us know who you'd like to hear on the show. All of that. You can also follow Black and Published at Black and Published on Instagram and Twitter. That's B-L-K and Published. And if you want to keep up with me, head to my website, newrights.com. N-E-W-W-R-I-T-E-S dot com. Or follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Nikisha underscore Elise. That's our show for the week. I'll holler at y'all next time. Peace.